Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook him up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Indeed, it's a fabulous fifth hour, and that didn't take long, as expected. Uh, News from golf rod. Nick Dunlap, the Alabama sophomore who just won the American Express Championship, announced today that he is indeed turning pro and accepted membership on the PGA Tour. Nice. He will not be playing collegiate golf for the Crimson Tide this season, and rightfully so. He just went head to head with the best in the in the world, or most of the best in the world, and won uh, at 20 years old. Only the fifth amateur to win on tour since 1950. Second youngest champion in the past 90 years. No, John. John, uh, I, I hadn't remembered this. Jordan Spieth turned pro when he was 19, and he won the John Deere Classic in 2013 at 19. Spieth, prodigy. Yeah. And so we know Jordan has gone on to great things, and now here comes Nick Dunlap. Uh, he is withdrawn from the University of Alabama. Sure, that was one of the easier decisions the young guy has ever had to make. He's not the only one. A lot of people leaving Alabama these days. Yeah. Um, be a theme. Yeah. Well, well, Kalen DeBoer did get a win yesterday because Ryan Williams, the five-star receiver, uh, recommitted to Alabama. That was big for him. Remember, he was. Yeah, he committed initially though, didn't he? But then uh, to Nick Saban. Nick Saban and, thing, and, then, and, then and then when Nick Saban retired, he said he, you know. And he's the one that is in goes to KJ Lacey's school. Yeah, they're they go teammates. To the same school, but he, he's classified. He's reclassified as a twenty twenty four. Yeah, he's a year early. Yeah, and KJ Lacey's twenty twenty five. So Kalen DeBoer gets him <laughs> back in the yeah. boat. That's good. It's big. Yeah, to keep and I'm her. sure they're still recruiting KJ Lacey. Why wouldn't they? Yeah, the best uh, quarterback in Alabama in the state. Sarah Land High School in Alabama. That's the Longhorn commitment for the class of twenty twenty five. Wants to play for Sark, and uh, our man Jerry Hamilton was with us. Uh, in the 8 o'clock hour and reported that uh, on the heels of Ryan Williams recommitting to Alabama, uh, K.J. Lacey will not be in town this weekend for a visit. He was going to come in with his buddy uh, to take an official visit to Texas, but earlier this week Ryan Williams announced he's not coming because he was going to commit to Texas. He didn't need to come. He was going back to Alabama. I get it. So that's all happened here today on the heels of Jim Harbaugh accepting the job with the Chargers. We're waiting on what Michigan does with uh, Sharon Moore. Vic Fangio's the new D.C. of the Eagles. That's Vic Fangio's really good, Rod. I mean, yeah, he is a really good D.C. Yeah, he's well-respected. I mean, his system, like I said, his system has been one of the more popular systems to replicate and, you know, siphon from in all the NFL. I think he was the, he was the D.C. for the Broncos, uh, right? Well, the Broncos. He was a but, head coach. But, but yeah, he Before was head that, coach. he was the, the D.C., though, right? Well, he was with San Francisco yeah. with Jim Harbaugh when they mm-hmm. went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, that was his defense. And then the yeah. Bears, Broncos. Mm-hmm. Uh, now he was a consultant with the Eagles in 2022 before taking the, the Dolphins' defensive yeah. coordinator job. And they brought him as a D.C., remember, because he, in that division, they figured he had a lot of success. Not success, but at least a lot of experience going against Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, I got to look at the yeah. timeline because it's weird that uh, Jonathan Gannon left the Philadelphia Eagles to go be the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, and Vic Fangio had been. Um, I, I, I guess Vic Fangio took the Dolphins' job before Gannon left, because if he was already a consultant, 
on the staff, he would have just been the Could natural have. progression. Yeah. Could have. Because the word out of Miami is he went to Mike McDaniel and said, look, um, you know, I, 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 my family's all back east near Philadelphia. I want to be closer to family. Yeah. And Mike McDonald, McDaniel let him. Agreed to acqu acquiesced and said, you know what, uh, we'll let you out of your contract. We'll go hire a new defensive coordinator. You can go because we don't want someone to rather don't not want to be, be here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You only will do a good job. You don't want to be there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Wait. and he was in Philadelphia the year before, as I said, as a consultant. I think he really liked it. It didn't work out in Philadelphia. And they like him, obviously. They like him a lot, and we'll see because Nick Sirianni acting quickly. You, know, you get Vic Fangio. He had interviewed Ron Rivera, but they go Fangio, and now they're looking for an offensive coordinator. Yeah, and now the Dolphins are going to be looking for a defensive coordinator. I think that the Eagles will do – they'll find an offensive coordinator pretty well. I mean, they're interviewing Kingsbury. I don't know if he's the right fit or, or not, but I'm really – I'm concerned about the Dolphins and whether they're going to get a good D.C. Would you bring Brandon Staley in from That's the Chargers, who, yeah. you know, wasn't he's a great in, head coach, but he was a good defensive coordinator. Well, and he's a Vic Fangio kind of disciple too. I believe he's a guy that studies the Vic Fangio system. And at one point was in – I believe it with the Bears. I remember in the Bears that he was – uh, an assistant coach on the Fangio. I got to go back and check. But they worked together at one point, I thought. He did, yeah. He, he up, uh, coming through, and of course, uh, yeah. had his best success. Staley did with the Rams yeah. when they won the Super Bowl, and that's what got him got him hired. He had the. That's a good, that's a good one, E. I like that. Yeah, because he could run a, a very similar system to yeah. Brandon's. I like that. Yeah, that we'll keep an eye on that. Now, Eagles don't go with Rivera. What about Ron Rivera to Green Bay? Where the texture that asked us about Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator. Um. Yeah, that's a that, that's a. Yeah, you know what? I got to do some research on Ron Rivera's defensive system, though. It's been a while <laughs> Yeah, since he's been a, a coordinator, correct? It's been a little while since he's been a coordinator. I, I was hell, I was under Ron Rivera. I was one of his players with Chicago Bears. Yeah, that's how long he was a coordinator. It's been. it's been a long time. So I got to go check. Cause sometimes those systems, they grow a little stale. If you're not updating them, and I need to see like Vic Fangio, you've seen him run his system as it's recently. Like when the Cowboys year. brought in Mike Nolan. Yes, <laughs> it's like yeah, he was a good in his day, and I think even in his day, he was starting to fall off a little bit. Sometimes, I mean, if it's if it hasn't been within maybe four or five years, guys, a football theorist, I can tell you, the football world moves quickly. It evolves really fast, and it is a kind of cyclical. It'll come back around to some of those same concepts, but if you're out of the loop for a long time, man, your offense and defense can look really antiquated. If if you're not which keeping Nick, up with Mike Nolan's did by the way yeah so I I got to check on the run I think Ron Rivera was a good coach but I'm not sure about a, a ski, if he's a if he's a scheme savvy coach now yes he, at one point he was a scheme savvy coach I'm not sure if he's a scheme scheme savvy coach right now that's the question can I uh, play this we said we would coming out of who said that but this is a go uh, question and answer with Nick Sirianni. Yeah, I didn't uh, like this. In Philadelphia. Yeah, the question's questionable. <laughs> uh, but here's Nick Sirianni uh, dealing with the Philadelphia media yesterday. The offensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the offense, and the defensive coordinator is going to be in charge of the defense. What is your role going to be? The head coach. Not the head coach of the offense, not the head coach of the defense, not the head coach of the special teams, but be the, be the head coach of the football team. There you go. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, you should have played the rest. He goes on and get and digs himself into a hole, though. Okay, that's – It was – it was a, it was a, it, the first – that part of the answer was great, and he should have just stopped right there, but he didn't. He goes on for, like, another 60 to 90 seconds trying to describe what he's doing, and it, did, it he didn't do himself any favors because the question sets him up for failure because the question is, like, what do you do as head coach? What do you mean? I'm the head coach. That should have been the answer. Like, you know, I'm the head coach. That's what I do as the head coach. So what do you I supervise do here? Uh, what, is right? it, what is it you do here? What do you do as the host of Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B.E.? 
I'm the host of Hook Up with the Intern. I mean, what do you mean? You're not so, the producer or the intern? They no, set no. him up for failure, and he starts explaining it. And it's like, oh, man, anybody would sound, you know, sound a little dim trying to explain it when you don't actually know what your role is. And he tried to do that, and I think he got him in trouble. Yeah, it made him it made him look like he had no idea what his actual responsibility and role was or like there are decisions being made above his head, which probably are. Well, and that's Philadelphia's media. They like to poke. And, uh, you yeah. know, Andy Reid called plays and, you know, yeah, Doug true. Peterson ran the offense when, you know, or who, 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 uh, who was the coach when they won the Super Bowl just recently? Good life. Oh. Uh, Frank Reich. No, Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson. Yeah. So but Frank Reich was yeah. the OC, right? That's right. Yeah, they're, they're picking. Yeah. They don't like Nick no, you're right. at this that's, point. They're yeah. down on Nick. They are down on Nick. So what are you going to do? I'm going to coach the team, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know he should, he should have been – but he, he, he didn't feel like he had enough, like, clout to, to, to kind of come back at the, the reporter. Like, what do you mean? And I'm the head coach with a snarky comment. So I think he had, right now, because he knows the media doesn't like him, he is trying to, you know, get points with the media and be a little bit more amicable with them. But if he had – if they had asked him a question like that early in the season, I guarantee he would have had a smart, smart out of comment. Well, think to, about you know, uh, year one Sirianni – after he flubbed the opening news conference, which he can – I mean, you go back and watch that on YouTube. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's cringeworthy. You're like, oh. I mean, yeah. people thought Dan Campbell's, you know, opening press conference was kind of weird. We talk about biting kneecaps and such. It's turned out to be like a rallying cry for that it team is. in that city. Night <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kneecap biting. Now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but Sirianni was just came off as just totally not ready. Uh, but in year one, remember, they went to the playoffs. Went to the playoffs. And they lost to Tom Brady and the Bucks. But mm-hmm. that was with Sirianni calling plays. And he said, you know what, I'm going to bring in Shane Steichen to call plays. I'm going to be the head – we'll bring in Jonathan Gannon. I'll, I'll just coach. And they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So if, they, if I'm Nick Sirianni, that's what I'm saying. I was like, look, we went to the Super Bowl when I was, you know, delegating and letting, you know, I, I need to get back to that. We need to get back to that and uh, bring in you – know, here comes Vic Fangio which he was a part of that team that went to the Super Bowl as a consultant, as we said. Yeah. Uh, so that's all happening. A lot of changes going on. The team not making changes. The Cowboys at this point, they're not doing much. We're waiting on the Dan Quinn decision. Yeah, Dan Quinn is interviewing. I believe he's got his second interview with the Seahawks. A lot of people believe that I mean, that's, a, a, you know, go, that's a pretty much a done deal, um, a foregone conclusion that he's going to get the Seattle Seahawks job. And at this point, it's just all about the, the details and semantics and how they're going to structure the chain of command and that kind of stuff. But that Dan Quinn has been the favorite for that job and that he's going to end up getting that gig. So Cowboys, they're going to need to hire a D.C. Yes. So they need to be looking at D.C.s too. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. Cause, and you got to think, I mean, I'm just speculating that Dan, can't, Dan uh, Quinn, if he gets the head coaching job in, in Seattle, will take some guys with him from his staff. Uh, yes. The current defensive staff in Dallas. Yeah. So if you're, yeah, Jerry Jones, you need this to happen pretty quick because, you know. All the good ones will be gone. DCs are going <laughs> off the board, right? All the good ones will be taken. Uh, so that's a good point. I never thought about it. But, yeah, I guess, it, and, and this can't surprise the Cowboys. I'm assuming they've already been doing their due diligence and research about who would replace Quinn, whose scheme matches up well. Because you, the problem with replacing Dan Quinn with that defense is you really did tailor those acquisitions on the defense side of the ball to Dan Quinn's philosophy of positionless football, sure. of these hybrids in the back seven, which is great because I think Dan Quinn did a really good job. But do you want to bring a defensive coordinator who's got a totally different philosophy, um, a different ideology defensively? Because if so, it may take you a while to be able to find the right pieces. If you bring in somebody who is going to kind of pick up where Dan Quinn left off and has a lot of the same or similar belief system, in defense that he does, then maybe you don't have to overhaul the entire defense and some of the investments that you make. That's a, that's what a GM does. 
That's why the GM's sitting down going, all right, you know what? Who's got a scheme like Dan Quinn's around the league? And that's why you stay the league. And like you just said, Brandon Saley, also great. that's a great uh, idea to follow up Big Pangio because they work together and they run a, they run a similar system. So, so the, the pieces are all match, work. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what you got. The first name that came to, to my mind was Chris Richard. Isn't, wasn't he a Dan Quinn guy and he's already been in Dallas? Where is he now? I think he's with the Raiders. I'll, I'll double check that. Right. Though. Okay, he interviewed for some head coaching jobs this offseason. That's now. interesting. That's a good one. That is a good one. Well, we know with Jerry, it's going to be somebody that's, that's one of his kind of guys. You know what I'm saying? One of his oh. kind of guys. <laughs> right. We like our be guys. somebody they know. Chris Richard is one of his guys, though, right? Because he yeah. went at yeah, one yeah. point. Chris Richard is the defensive backs coach for the New Orleans Saints right now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. That could be one of his guys. At least it was at one point. Well, we got to keep an eye on it because yeah, like Dan that. Quinn does go. And the reply I mentioned earlier, you know, we now have Atlanta still open, Carolina is still open, um, you know, Seattle until it gets filled is open, and you know, as I mentioned, Boomer Esiason was the one that said he said it's a lock that Ben Johnson, the OC of the of the Lions, is going to get the Washington Commanders job. Now, again, mm-hmm. I, I don't know what sources but Boomer Esiason has, but you know, he went to Maryland. He's got ties to to DC. He's in New York doing a morning show and whatnot. So just keep an eye on that. Ben Johnson is the uh, ultra-talented young offensive mind in Detroit that's oh, had, that has resurrected Jared Goff. He's got this run game. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown, 134 catches, 1,700 yards, 11 touchdowns. Around. This dude is, is awesome. Oh, yeah. Uh, so and That's been a top-five offense every year since Ben Johnson's been calling the plays with Campbell. That's yeah, right. so – you know, Dan Campbell, that'll he'll lose a lot when that happens, right? This is this is one of those yes. years to strike. If that'll, they can. that'll be the test for him as a head coach, right? As a CEO head coach. I mean, you think Dan Campbell's never been a coordinator? Guys. No, he's he not. was a, went from assistant coach to interim and is a leader of men. He's a CEO, 100%. leader of men, I mean, inspires people. But can he can he hire good quality assistant coaches? That'll be the question. Because if I'm not mistaken, Ben Johnson was there before him. Was he, he? he just retained Ben Johnson. Well, that was smart. That was smart. Obviously. But well, because you, you have different guys. I mean, Sean McVay is ultimate X's and O's guy who can also mm-hmm. motivate. But at the same time, he got crossed with Sean McVay, with uh, Jared Goff. Didn't, yes. So they, they got sideways. Uh, Jared Goff has said that Dan Campbell is the best leader he's ever been around, uh, the best leader and, and motivator. Uh, and we see that we hear that from a lot of the Lions, that this guy, you know, he believes yeah. in us sometimes more than we believe in ourselves. He, th- his biggest, I think, accomplishment is he made, he made not only the, the players believe in it, the city. That city didn't want to believe in the Lions. I live there. I've been a Lion. <laughs> it's hard enough to make the players believe. And now you got the city believing that the Lions can win a championship? Guys, that guy needs to, I mean, he can be a, a, a preacher. Sales hope as well as any preacher I've been around. It's amazing. And kind of like, <laughs> you know, you and I have seen, and the Texans fans with D'Amico Ryans sought after and wanted that job. He wanted where A lot of people didn't. And yeah. you can see that, you know, D'Amico Ryans has embraced <laughs> it. He loves Houston. He played there, likes the city. And, you know, he, he turned down other job offers or job, at least in, opportunities to interview to get the Houston job because he wanted it. It was his dream job. I, I saw an interview with Dan Campbell. This was when he was hired. This was he sought this job out because he yeah. had played in Detroit. And he loved the underdog nature of the city. He loved the you know the bones of it. And you know the ownership has really gotten themselves together there with the you know the the the, the lady I can't think of her name. Uh, she's one of the Fords, but she has yeah. taken control of it. And she's been the one who's brought the the chain of command and put it into really the forefront. Uh, the hiring of Brad Holmes as a general manager, the hiring of Dan Campbell to be the right coach, and this coaching staff that's got to have all that. And but you know, that, 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 that means something, right? When the coach wants that job, that's where I want to be. I want, mm-hmm. to, I want to be the guy that helps bring Detroit mm-hmm. back and restores this city because I played here. I've heard it. It's resilient. That's what we want to be. It fits his mindset. I think D'Amico is the same in Houston. He, really, he was in Houston when it was good. Yep. And, and uh, he knows yep. what that fan base can be. I agree. That's a great point. Uh, Sheila Ford Hamp. 
is her name. Uh, she's the new owner. She, she is a Ford, but obviously married. Uh, she's a Ford Hemp. And she has served as vice chairwoman of the Lions since 2014 hmm. uh, and succeeded her mother, Martha Firestone Ford, uh, June 23rd of 2020. So I'll put this out there. Hold been, on, Martha Firestone Ford? We had Firestone the Firestone Ford, yeah, hey. Ford. What a mega couple. Come on now. Power couple. <laughs> you know the Mars and the Roonies and the Mars are like that. They have a Rooney Mara. Is the I know. Yeah. <laughs> she's for the family? I mean, of the the Rooney's and the Mars of the Steelers and the Giants. So yeah, talk about power couples. But Ben Johnson was there before. He was actually there before Dan Campbell. So Dan Campbell gets credit for keeping him, but he was there as a quality control coach with the organization. I think in like 2019 or something like that. So give the give the organization credit for keeping Ben Johnson around. And we've seen this before with organizations who decide we like this young coach. Just stick around here. Even though there's a coaching change, can you stick around? Because you're smart, and everybody likes you. And I always argue the Texans should have done this with guys like Kyle Shanahan and with guys like Matt LaFleur came through the organization. Right? They had some of these guys, Robert Sella, they would come through the organization, and nobody around there was supposed to go, you know what, no, no, just stick around. You. You stick around. Because um, actually Tennessee did it with Arthur Smith. They did. Arthur Smith was around there forever. He was around there for three, three, coaches, three yeah. different coaches, and they kept around. Actually, the, the, I know the, Cow- the Cowboys do this. I don't like it. They don't do it right way, but the Cowboys do it too. They'll, they'll identify coaches and go, we like you. So even if the coach gets fired, you stay on because we like our guys. And we you're like one of our us. guys, yeah. Um, and some organizations do this, and the Detroit Lions did it with Ben Johnson. So give them a lot of credit for that. But that is going to be a test for Dan Campbell. How do you replace that guy when you never really had to go out and find him? That's a good point. Would, would Arthur Smith be a good fit in Detroit? He's nothing like Ben Johnson. No. Their offense is very, very different. Very different. You're right. Yeah, yeah you want to. Very f- different. Well, we'll see. Maybe there's a, a young up and comer on that staff that can, you yes, know, been be studying. the next. That's that, a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And because you know you want to keep it as as consistent as you can. Yeah. Uh, we got to see. We got to see this. So, uh, all right. This says is the curse of Bobby Lane broken. We'll see. Uh, obviously, that would be what a story that'd be if the Lions get to the Super Bowl uh, in Vegas. Be. I yeah. mean, the sexiest matchup, as I mentioned earlier, is probably the Niners Niners Chiefs. Because you get the Niners and Shanahan and all, you know th- that historic organization against Patrick Mahomes, uh, boy, you get you get Baltimore, Detroit. That is a blue collar, mm-hmm. blue collar town Super Bowl match. That, yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> in Vegas, yeah, that's of a, all places. Yeah, that do, yeah, that doesn't fit. But you're right about that, man. That's blue collar, and that city right now. I'm both of them, you. both of them are just uh, obviously, you know, Baltimore on the coast, there on the port, but uh, you know. Couple of couple of hard cities, a couple of tough cities, right? Hey, uh, I, speaking of curses, I do think you mentioned the Texans. I, I am happy, I'm, you know. I've, I've called it the curse of the Texans quarterbacks, right? That they could never get quarterback yeah. in their twenty years, and they they passed on the likes of Aaron Rodgers in yep. the draft pick, and they passed on Peyton Manning, mm-hmm. and they, you know, it, it, thank you, C.J. Stroud. <laughs> thank you, C.J. Stroud. Seriously, because I was, as I said all last year, I was convinced. No matter who they take at one or two, it's not gonna work because it's the Texans for crying out loud. The Texans pass uh, on Peyton Manning. Yeah, remember when he left Indianapolis? Yeah, his first choice was uh, Houston. Yeah, okay, I thought you meant. And yeah. the Texans said, "No, we're good said, with Matt uh, Schaub." Schaub. <laughs> yeah, and he went down to uh, D- Denver and won two more Super Bowls. Hey, Matt Schaub had a few good twilight years at the end there. Yeah, and you know what the you know what the galling part of that as a Houston fan is, Rod, that the coach who said no, we're good was Gary Kubiak. Who then got <laughs> fired with Matt Schaub? Who then went to Denver won and won a Super Bowl? Peyton Manning. With Peyton Manning. <clears throat> now it was a game managing Peyton Manning. Yes, that's but fine. Still, Thank you, Gary. Went up there and broke records. And I love right. me some Gary Kubiak, but still, I mean, I, and of course the Aaron Rodgers thing was when they had a draft pick and they could have taken him as he was sliding in the draft, and they felt like, oh no, we're good with uh, Derek David Carr. 
David, oh. who was the first pick ever of the organization, which was a terrible pick. Well, I will admit, the organization did him no favors. He was the most sacked quarterback in the oh. history of the NFL. Yeah, they came in. They took, <laughs> they, 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 in the expansion draft, they drafted Tony Boselli and yeah. the other guy that were always hurt. And then, what do you know, they got hurt. He still has a record <laughs> for, I think, the, the most sacked quarterback in the season. I want to say it's like 70-something. Yeah. no, that, That's ridiculous. Uh, and that was the uh, PTSD. You know, because the GM at the time wanted, was determined to get a quarterback, even though there, that David Carr was not a 1-1 quarterback. No, he was not. Not a Fresno? Not even close. Come on, man. He was reaching, man. What are you doing? <laughs> I mean, because, well, it's the first pick of the franchise. We're not, why would we take Julius Peppers, who's a Hall of Fame pass rusher and defensive end? Why, why would we take the best player on the board? Why would we take the best player on the board? <laughs> not only did they oh. miss on the first pick ever, they stuck with him for too long, and they cost him Aaron Rodgers. In, an o in the draft of 05, they could have drafted Aaron Rodgers, for crying out loud. Oh, man, don't remind and, me. Is he reliving it? Instead, with the 16th pick of memory serves, they took Florida State defensive lineman Travis Johnson, and he was so damn good, he never did a damn thing. <laughs> I was like, I barely remember that guy. Yeah. I don't remember him like, playing much at all. I know he did, but I just don't remember and it. And some of you folks out there may remember this because you were with me at Pluckers. We were doing one of our Pluckers, one of the very first – Pluckers NFL draft game parties, things we would do. And the Texans were on the board, and I'm like, Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They can get Aaron, because Aaron Rodgers is supposed to be the first pick. Uh, and then Alex Smith got drafted, and you, and, you know, pushed they pushed him do. all the way down. Yeah, and like, every pick, I'm like, oh, Aaron Rodgers. It's easy. Aaron Rodgers. They didn't want to do it. And of course, everybody at Pluckers hated Aaron Rodgers because he and Mac Brown got in the big spat over the Rose Bowl. <laughs> and so they all hated him. And I'm going, take Aaron Rodgers. Take Aaron, take Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers. Take a quarterback, a good one. And yeah. they didn't. They took Travis Johnson. They, I, yeah, they've been cursed at that position. For a while. I was so mad. They got CJ now. It's all right. Thank CJ. you, CJ. Thank you, CJ Stroud. CJ. It's all good, man. <laughs> Thank you, CJ Stroud, uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, so that was a curse. And, uh, you know, Cowboys are trying to break a curse of their own. So we'll see. That's a great question, a great point that if Dan Quinn leaves, who the Cowboys will hire at DC. We'll get on that right there. Yeah, because I was thinking about that kid, not the kid, the grown man, uh, the, uh, the, 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 coordin the defense coordinator from Atlanta, because he did a good job, but the Jaguars just hired him a couple of days ago. Yeah, I, they did. That was under the radar, too. They Ryan did. Nielsen, I believe is his name. He did a really good job with Atlanta. And they didn't have a lot of great players. Well, I do know Dan Quinn, because he stayed there three years now, has a good relationship with the Joneses. He may have someone he would advise them, hey, here's a, here's a great up-and-comer. Uh, and they have a good opinion of Dan Quinn. But, you know, this is where Mike McCarthy has to. You think Mike McCarthy has any say over the they hire? Uh, he should. He should. He should, but I don't know how much he will, but he should. But that's a good point about Dan Quinn. I, and I like Ty's, uh, yeah, you know, Chris Richard. Chris Richard as a possible option. That's okay. a good option. Well, we'll keep an eye on these. This is yeah. the, the coaching carousel. This is a lot of people passed on Aaron Rodgers. That's true. He didn't go all the way down to the Packers. But doesn't mean you had to pass on him when you needed a quarterback. That's what I'm saying. Maybe and I was banging tables for take Aaron Rodgers. Take them. Who knows what would have happened. Then I would have had to, as a fan, deal with the diva. <laughs> yeah, well, a diva with multiple MVPs and a Super Bowl. Yeah, I think that was been pretty fine. nice. We'd been fine with that, yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot. And, of course, Texas fans will know they passed on Vince Young in favor of Mario Williams. I still don't know how that would have turned out. I always say Vince Young at home in H-Town. Oh, I don't know. An immature VY at home? Yes. I think now we know that probably wouldn't have worked out well. Well, it certainly didn't. It worked out in the short term. In the sh you know, he was a really good quarterback for the first few years in Tennessee. Well, he was, yeah. Where the wheels came off. And then, of course, you know, Jeff Fisher never even wanted him. I think more of the issue with VY would have been if, they, if the team that drafted him wanted him. If the organization was aligned, right, in the way that they wanted to develop him, and they weren't. They were all split, and then there was, you know, obviously a lot of conflict within the organization about how they wanted to approach the quarterback well, I will position. say, Houston made it tough to be a, a fan because they did pass on Aaron Rodgers, then they passed on Vince Young, and you're like, what are y'all doing? 
Hey, what are we doing? <laughs> then Peyton Manning wants to go. We don't want him. What do we, we want Matt Schaub uh, over Peyton Manning. What are we doing? But, yeah. um, you know, thank you. CJ's made it all better. They never CJ and D'Amico. Yeah, they were, they were playing it safe as an organization They forever. always did. They played it safe forever, and they haven't played as safe lately. They've been taking some calculated risks, and it's been paying off for them. Yeah, well, here we go. Yeah. Thank you, Nick Casario. Thank you, CJ Stroud, D'Amico Ryans. The Leadership. new brain trust in Houston. Leadership, and, uh, man. Yeah, they, by the way, uh, behind the burnt orange curtain, uh, Rod has some info that maybe uh, a lifetime Longhorn could be being promoted. Down there in Houston on D'Amico Ryan's defense. We'll get you details on that. Also more on uh, the Longhorn basketball situation with Rodney Terry and company. We'll get to all of it coming up. Uh, plus, uh, yes, Jim Harbaugh is the coach, uh, is now the coach of the, San the L.A. Chargers. Get you the latest out of Ann Arbor. Never remember, the Longhorns play Michigan week two next year. And if it is indeed Sharon Moore to be the new head coach, Rod, he's got a difficult first year. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply your schedule. I got details on that coming up. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, Hook them up. 1019 AM 1260. The Horn. Hook up with Ian Rodby rolls on. We're going behind the burn orange curtain coming up. We're talking uh, coaching carousel. Who's going where after the uh, the latest massive fish to land is uh, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, maybe the best hire of any organization this offseason to land the uh, the one-time Super Bowl uh, reaching coach, of course, with the San Francisco 49ers, but uh, great college coach as well at Stanford and Michigan. Wherever he goes, he wins. He's controversial. He will be a, a force of nature, and he'll ruffle some feathers, but he wins, Rod. Mm-hmm. He absolutely wins, and yeah. uh, he's now an L.H., which, as we said earlier, is a big step up for the uh, Chargers organization. Uh, they've been going, I think, a little bit cheap on coach, right? They they went Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, um, Brandon Staley, and they were trying to reach for the, the next big, uh, you know, coordinator hire. Instead, they go with a proven commodity here. I don't know when the last time that organization did that, where they stepped up and said, you know what, mm -hmm. we're not, we're not, we're going with something we, we know can win. Yep, and we, somebody who has an identity, a brand of football oh, yeah. they bring with them. Yeah, no question about it. Mm -hmm. uh, and this guy is as good as there is, right? I mean, you would argue this was a better hire than even getting Bill Belichick because he's 11 years younger and, yep. you know, he's got a defensive coordinator he's going to bring with him who's on the forefront of, you know, football these days. And you know he's going to be a tough, hard-nosed team built around a really elite young quarterback. A lot to like about that. In that really tough division, too, obviously, with the Chiefs and Peyton, Sean Payton now with the Broncos. Raiders. Raiders yeah. with Antonio Pierce. If you're Justin Herbert, you got to love it because he's a proven winner everywhere he goes. Yes. He wins. And he's gonna he's a quarterback guy, right? He's a quarterback himself, so he's going to already bring in – he's going to make it a quarterback kind of centric organization. Um, but he's going to be able to come in and elevate your game. And I think for the Chargers, the most important thing for them because they've had a lot of underachieving stars. And I guess you can throw Herbert in there too. Uh, but if you want somebody that can maximize talent, which is what – Jim Harbaugh has proven he can do college or the pro level is maximize talent. If he can do that with that Chargers team, they'll be a contender in that division. 
Yeah, and they got talent, man. Let's not make it the political Colin Kaepernick debate, but think about it. He he with it, he led he, he led a team with led by Colin Kaepernick to the Super Bowl. And some and some of y'all don't even think he's worthy of being a starting quarterback in the league. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that, that was yeah. like some of y'all. Oh, he's trash. He can never be a starter. Well, if that's the case. You got to give Harbaugh even more credit. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, he overachieved, and, and you know, JJ McCarthy went 27 and two as a starter. I don't. I think he's going to be a good player. I don't know, but uh, yeah, he does maximize talent without mm-hmm. a doubt, and he's got an elite quarterback who's been under. You know, he's underperformed at times, but at the same time, it, it, it's been an undercoached football team yep. since he's been there. Totally agree with uh, that. And th- that's one thing this won't be with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, he can coach. He can get the most out of players and motivate. Now, uh, Justin Herbert's going to have to, you know, s- you know, toughen up because he, he will come at you. Oh, yeah. He challenges you. He, he's not going to be there to be your buddy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, he'll have a coordinator, offensive coordinator, a quarterback's coach that will do that. You're, Jim Harbaugh – you know, really it's test his players, yeah. It's about results. And if it takes uh, having to um, coach you a certain way yep. <laughs> with a certain disposition, with a certain edge, he will do that. And as, you, as you've said many times, he comes in where they have the fifth pick in the draft rod and then draft capital. He comes in like Jimmy Johnson. He knows the college game and has scouted the college game. He knows where the, you know, who the good players are. He scouted against them, played against them, recruited them. Uh, he's got that vetting process. He's ahead of the curve on that uh, for a lot of these coaches in the NFL well, right that's now. That's why he can help their salary cap issues. They're in salary cap hell to a certain extent right now because yep. they're capped out with all the stars. So that's great, which means you got to build with cheap, cheap, cheap labor. The cheapest labor is in the draft. And, and you've talked about this too, and Jim Nagy brought it up in his tweet. This draft, because you have fewer underclassmen that are coming out, is not as deep as previous drafts. It's not going to be as deep in the fifth, sixth, seventh round, those late rounds. But that means it's not going to be as deep for the rest of the NFL. If you got inside knowledge, if insider info on those players, because, like you said, just came from the college ranks, you scouted against these guys, you coached against them, you recruited some of these really good players. So you even still you still got mama's number in your phone somewhere, right, <laughs> about that player. You can go do a deep, deep dive, uh, deep dive kind of, you know, evaluations on these players. You know, that's what gave Jimmy Johnson a lot of his uh, advantage when the Cowboys were rebuilding that thing in the early 90s. And, built it into a super powerhouse and a dynasty was because Jimmy Johnson coming from the college game, he had more insight on and better evaluation, more accurate evaluation on college players than anybody else for those first three years. Well, you know, you, certainly the guys on your roster, and one of his early draft picks was Michael Irvin, right? Yeah. Was Michael Irvin already there when he got there? Uh, Might have been. Somebody will tell me that. I'm not sure. But he did draft Emmett Smith, right? That guy he saw was lines familiar with lines of scrimmage. He, that's what he really did. And, you know, just because, you know, that you, Jim Harbaugh, you know your roster intimately which how many Wolverines will we try to bring in? But you also scout against the opponent when you're getting ready for, you know, you just played Washington. Ohio State's got good players. Yeah. And and you know them from the recruiting trails, you said. I mean, you don't win all the recruiting battles, but you know those players and develop relationships. All right, that'll be fun to see. And I mentioned if indeed, as we anticipate, Sharon Moore is the the replacement, just elevating kind of Ryan Day to Urban Meyer um, kind of thing, just just take take the gig. It's going to be a tough early schedule. I just got to tell you, Rod. The Longhorns, I mean, uh, you, Michigan opens with Fresno State uh, in Ann Arbor. Then here come the Longhorns, week two. And we know the Longhorns may be preseason number one or number two with a lot of expectations. Two weeks later, they welcome USC to Michigan Stadium. Here wow. comes Lincoln Riley and the Trojans. Hmm. Two weeks after that, they go to Washington. It's brutal. To play the Huskies, who they've lost a lot of good players, and now they have Jed Fish at their head coach. So they have to go to Husky Stadium. Uh, Minnesota, by the way, is between that USC and Washington game. Then they, they're back home in October to play Michigan State. They host Oregon uh, in week uh, in, in no, on November the 2nd, and they, of course, have to play at Ohio State mm. on uh, on the 30th. So you look at that. Those are 
looks like the whole Final Four <laughs> that they have on their schedule. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's brutal right there. Yeah. yeah, especially, you know, losing Not so Alabama, much. Not Alabama, but uh, potentially. I mean, you, I mean, Oregon is seen as a Final Four team this year, at least a playoff team this mm -hmm. year. Um, I think, you know, Lincoln Riley needs to get back on track at USC, but he'll have a good team. Um, but those that, that, that's a fun schedule. I mean, if you're a Michigan season ticket holder coming off a national championship to have awesome. Texas, USC, Oregon, Michigan State, that's really good. That's really cool. I it's like, like it. It's a hell of a year. Yeah, I think, well, if you're a fan. If you're a fan, yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're Sharon Moore and a first-year head coach, it'll be a lot of pressure. Uh, well, heads with Sark and Lincoln Riley and uh, – I mean, the roster is loaded if all those guys stay. It is loaded. They're just unproven commodities. They got to be coached up and developed, and that's where I guess the question will come. Can Sharon Moore do, be that guy? Can he do what we know Jim Harbaugh has been proven as a, a great developer of talent and a hell of a coach? Can he put himself in that conversation? You're exactly right He's about that. He'll get the opportunity, though. He'll get opportunities. Yeah. Right. Here comes uh, the, the new-look Big Ten, with, and, and they get I – mean, Michigan gets Washington, USC, and Oregon in year one. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Fans, you want those big-time games, uh, you got them now. There you go. Uh, Sharon Moore, we'll keep an eye on that today. Let's go behind the burnt orange curtain, a little Texas football chatter on this Thursday morning. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk uh, some Texas football. We got a couple of topics here, uh, a couple of them actually related to uh, Michigan and the uh, coaching vacancy that they have now. We talked to Jerry Hamilton early on, uh, early on the show today, and uh, we talked to him about the D-line coach position for Texas. Uh, talked to him about a number of different topics. Uh, one of the things that we uh, brought up, at least I brought up with him, was the uh, the possibility if there was a say hypothetically if there were some guys that would enter the transfer portal from Michigan, who would Texas be interested in? Um, and he brought up D-line. <laughs> they got some really good D-linemen uh, there for Michigan right now that are some of the best D-linemen in the country, young D-linemen. Guys respect to be first-round picks in 2025. Uh, but Texas did get themselves an interior D-lineman, um, even if they can't necessarily uh, poach from Michigan's roster. They did get uh, Sevea, who was the, off the defensive lineman from Arizona. Uh, we talked about him yesterday. Uh, there are a number of uh, different ways that he can help Texas. Uh, you, you need a veteran in that room. He's a veteran, got experience in that room. You also you know, need somebody that can play multiple shades. You can move around. He's a guy that's played multiple shades for Texas. Talked about that yesterday as well. Uh, and talked about the fact that you need a run stuffer. You need guys who can be uh, run force defenders for you because I believe that is probably going to be the biggest vulnerability of this defense next season is the, can they stop the run? Now, they won't face a lot of teams that are that specialize in the power run game, but when they do, and Michigan will be one of them, by the way, speaking of Michigan, um, they'll have to have – they'll have to be stout uh, in the interior, the central nervous system of the defense that I always talk about all the time. And uh, Savea is one of those guys that can provide you with experience and some quality reps there. So that was big news for the Longhorns. Uh, D-line coach, something still that Longhorns are – Longhorn fans, Longhorn Nation, still a little bit concerned about. Uh, they have not – there's not necessarily been any movement uh, that we've heard, any substantive movement uh, and in the D-line coaching uh, candidacy right now. But I will say that the Texans – they have chosen not to extend their defensive line coach. They're going to let his contract expire and let him walk. That does affect Texas because one of the front runners for the defensive line coach vacancy for Texas was Rod Wright. He was the assistant D-line coach or is the assistant D-line coach for the Texans, and he is one of the top candidates 
for the head, sorry, the uh, defensive line coaching job for the Texans. My man Chip Brown reported that at Horns 24-7. So if he does indeed get that job, he would obviously take the Texans D-line coach job over the Texas D-line coach job, and he'd probably prefer to be an NFL coach rather than a college coach if he's right. Uh, uh, what you brought up yesterday, E, that eh, recruiting is not necessarily something that he enjoys or something he's looking forward to. He's been a college recruiter before at UTSA in Miami, and maybe now the NFL uh, provides him with a, a kind of a coaching experience that he prefers over the college coaching experience. So still right now, we have no idea what the D-line coach is going to be. It could be an NFL guy. I still think it's going to be an NFL guy the way the timeline's working out. I do. I just think it wasn't, and it could easily be a college guy with some NFL ties. I think Sark wants NFL ties. I think he wants that as um, really kind of a, a, a resume builder, if you will, for some of his coaches. I think he wants to try to start developing that pipeline to the NFL in certain positions, and I think he wants the NFL uh, theme to be a part of his pitching, uh, recruiting pitch. And I think Having an NFL guy who with NFL experience, whether a player like the short choice or as a coach like him or Kyle Flood, um, I think it matter. It's starting to matter more and more to Sark. So that's something I still think it might be an NFL guy. Yeah, th- I think it helps in recruiting run. I mean, it really does. When you're Sark or Kyle Flood who have been there, when you're Bo Davis or Chris mm-hmm. Jackson who have coached at that level, the short choice played and coached at that level, uh, it it sells. It really does. It's um, it, that's what the kids want. Yep. Right. The, yeah, I agree. And, and I would say with Bo Davis, you I mean the bar is high here. You're replacing, you're looking to replace maybe the best D line coach in the business. So you're gonna it, it benefits you, I think, to take your time to make because what you don't want is to get the wrong guy and you see a slide, a little bit of a slip at the development of that position because we've seen it before here. Very true. And I, well, I mean, the thing about it is for Sark, you know, he's big on fit too, right? He wants yes. to get the right fit with the coaches. I mean, and I would say Chris Jackson wasn't. A, hot, a big name when Sark hired him. He was the right guy for the job. He's done a good job with the wide receivers, um, but he wasn't a big name. He was a Jacksonville Jaguars uh, wide receiving coach. I don't necessarily know if he was a hot name or a big name, but Sark found the right guy. So it could just be someone who is not necessarily a well-known commodity in the coaching ranks, and Sark has you know vetted him and done his due diligence and knows that he's a good coach like he did with Chris Jackson. So at this point, I don't think anybody knows exactly who Sark and the – uh, staff have administration have zeroed in on for the D-line coach. I expect it to be, you know, uh, announced on him to be hired sooner rather than later, but I think we've said that for the last week. So uh, we wait on the D-line coach position. One other nugget, I was watching NFL Live. Mel Kuyper has come out with his uh, latest mock draft. He's got only one Longhorn being drafted in the first round. That's A.D. Mitchell. He's got A.D. Mitchell going to Buffalo, uh, actually, uh, with, I think it's a 28th pick overall for Buffalo. I'll go back and check it. But he's got them going to Buffalo. That's the only wide receiver. Sorry, the only Longhorn he's got taken in the first round. I believe it's the seventh wide receiver that's going in the first round. So he's got five receivers going in top 15 picks, and he's got seven receivers taken in the first round, A.D. Mitchell being the last of those. Uh, the reason I bring up the wide receiver position is because he was asked about um, – what receivers he was asked about the receiver position which he thinks is the deepest in the draft he was asked about what receivers are most underrated toward the end of the first round second round who are the the hidden gems in this wide receiving class and he said the texas wide receivers he said ad mitchell and xavier worthy were kind of the underrated wide receivers of this group and that makes sense because he's got ad mitchell as the second to last wide receiver taken he's got oh this is this would be just mean for ad mitchell He's got A.D. Mitchell going 28th in his mock draft. 
and ne- the next pick is Kansas City at 29, oh. and he's got them taking a wide receiver at Troy Franklin. So, oh, from Oregon? Yeah. Oh, that would suck. If I was like, Dimitri, I'd be like, oh, man, I'd love to be drafted a pick later so I could go to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid's office with Kansas City rather than go to 